Now, the topic of our discourse today is going to be what? <laughs> Part three of the Papadita Sutta? <laughs> no. So, in order to support all of you in your meditation practice, the topic of today's discourse is going to be one aspect of, uh, as part of Dhammanupasana Satipatthana. Dhammanupasana Satipatthana being the fourth of uh, the four establishments of mindfulness and in particular uh, establishment of mindfulness with regard to Dhammas. Now, the Pali term Dhamma has been translated in this regard as mental objects in the past by uh, earlier uh, translators, but certainly this translation is not really accurate. The closest mm, term that Satna we would have in the English Shatna language for Dhammas in this context could be phenomena or more precisely in line with what comes under a mindful contemplation of Dhammas namely certain specific mental qualities and specific categories. Now, the Buddha himself in the Satipatthana Sutta, in the Mahasatipatthana Sutta, states that mindfulness should be practiced with regard to, number one, the five hindrances, then number two, the five aggregates, Number three, the six sense spheres. Number four, the seven awakening factors or enlightenment factors. And number five, the four noble truths. Now, on June 10th, Venerable Sialido Wimalanyani has already given a talk on what? On, do you remember? Hindrances. The hindrances, the five avaranas, which Shatna then covers Shatna, the first aspect under Dhammanupasana Satipatthana. Now, today we shall, or the emphasis of today's Shatna discourse will be on a mindful contemplation of the five aggregates, the five kandas, and so, uh, then the six sense spheres will be um, possibly dealt with during uh, a discourse in the very, very near future, and uh, you will see, and then what certainly will remain after that uh, is our, uh, the 
seven enlightenment factors and the four noble truths. Out of the seven enlightenment factors, Marcia has also devoted one talk to uh, energy, the enlightenment factor of energy and joy. So, you know, to some extent, you know, we've touched, or Marcia has touched, on you know, this topic already. Now, To give you a little bit of certain context with regard to Dhamma Nupasana Satipatthana. According to the commentaries, the hindrances lead the contemplation of Dhammas because their removal serves as a basis for developing the comparatively more sophisticated contemplations in this last Satipatthana. Now, the items that are that were given by the Buddha under the heading of a mindful contemplation of Fatna Dhammas. Now, these items and the way they are being mentioned one by one, um, there's a certain sequence certainly here that actually um, corresponds to the temporal progression towards realization. And so, a contemplation of the five hindrances being the first one, and then, and in being mindful of the hindrances, and in overcoming the hindrances, the mind will gain some stability, and this meditators can, you know, experience in their own meditation practice, can meditators verify in their own practice. And once the mind has gained certainly some stability, then what follows is an analysis of the subjective personality in terms of the five aggregates, and furthermore, as the next step, an analysis of our, of the relation between the subjective personality and the outer world. Now, based on these two analyses, what then occurs is a development of the enlightenment factors. And they will, 
quite naturally arise in one's practice and come you know, to uh, prominence. And hence, uh, it's, uh, you know, we are called when that time uh, comes to take a closer look at them, to in mindfully observe them. If we keep doing this over a longer you know, period of time, then and certainly all the necessary conditions are uh, in place. The realization of mm, the Dhamma, the full um, understanding of the Four Noble Truths will mm, follow quite naturally. The Pali term for five aggregates is Panchakanda. And before we go into any further details, allow me to uh, well hide or explain what is certainly meant by Kanda. The Pali term kanda, in English oftentimes translated as aggregate or group, is an umbrella term for all possible instances of each category, whether past, present, or future, internal or external, gross or subtle, inferior or superior, near or far. Venerable Bodhi, translator of the Samyutta Nikaya as well as the Anguttara Nikaya, defines Kanda as Satna follows. He says, Kanda, among other things, refers to a heap or a mass Rasi in the Pali scriptural language. And the five aggregates are so called because they each unite under one label a multiplicity of phenomena that share the same defining characteristic. Now, We're speaking of five aggregates. However, what are those five aggregates? Yes, let's hear. Form, feeling, perception, mental formations, and consciousness. There you go. And in sense of instead of mental formations, we could say volitional formations is another way of expressing it. So indeed understanding what typically mm, out of ignorance is certainly referred to is uh, uh, seen as a being as an entity as a personality etc this then um, is certainly being analyzed in terms of materiality in terms of the aggregate of feelings 
in terms of perceptions, volitional formations and consciousness. Now, an illustration for these or comparisons for these five aggregates will be given uh, well, uh, will be given right now. Namely, the third volume of the Samyutta Nikaya in its section 142 compares Rupakanda, so the aggregate of materiality, to the insubstantial nature of a lump of fo foam carried away by a river. And that same passage from the Samyutta Nikaya compares feelings to impermanent bubbles that form on the surface of water during rain. And perception is compared to the illusory nature of a mirage. Volitional formations are compared to the essenceless nature of a plantain tree, which has no heartwood. And finally, consciousness is compared by the Buddha to this, the deceptive performance of a magician. Now, the potential of engaging in this mindful contemplation of the five aggregates can be potential in terms of realization of the Dhamma, can be seen from, well, from one, at least one very convincing example from the time of the Buddha. The Buddha having gained supreme enlightenment, having then, after uh, having uh, enjoyed the fruits of uh, his uh, supreme enlightenment, then went in search of, um, the, well, beings who would certainly understand his teachings. And then she came and decided you know, to uh, meet up with the group of five ascetics, the so-called Panchavagya, with whom he had practiced early on, with whom he had engaged in ascetic, austere practices. And so he meets them and then eventually gives them a discourse which is known as uh, the Dhamma Chakapavatana Sutta, 
and Tatna being the very first Tatna discourse of the Buddha, namely the turning or setting in motion the wheel of Dhamma. Now, this discourse had an impact on these uh, five ascetics and Sometime later, if I'm not mistaken, a month later, the Buddha then gave another discourse to the same group of his old uh, uh, companions, and this time on Anatta. And he gave them an exposition of Anatta by way of the five aggregates. And what do you think was the result of that discourse? They all became arahants. There you go. So that should be sufficient proof of the potential or the potency of this particular form of mindful contemplation. Now, in our own meditation practice, there are times when this or that aggregate among the five aggregates comes to the foreground. There are times when material phenomena will be in the foreground of a retreatant's um, observation. There are other times when feelings tend to be predominant. Again, other times you know, when perceptions are in the foreground of a retreatant's um, attention. And then the same thing you know, will happen with regard to volitional formations and uh, you know, with regard you know, to consciousness. And it is at such times that mm, it is more than proper you know, to apply you know, the instructions given by you know, the, the instructions relating to you know, the five aggregates as given by the Buddha in the Satipatthana the Sutta. Now, just in terms of a formal aspect. When you look at certain of these five aggregates and certain in the way they are being presented, so you know, the aggregate of materiality first, feelings, uh, aggregate of feelings second, perception third, volitional formations fourth, and certain consciousness certain fifth. Um, there, this uh, the Buddha did not do in a haphazard manner, but rather they were classed by increasing subtlety, starting with the aggregate of 
materiality, being material formations, being the coarsest, and ending with uh, uh, the aggregate of consciousness and mm, the consciousness uh, being the most uh, refined among these five uh, aggregates. Now, some of the benefits that can be derived from a mindful contemplation of the aggregates will be, time permitting, given towards the end of the discourse. Now, The instructions that the Satipatthana Sutta contains with regard to a mindful contemplation of the aggregates are as follows. And certainly this is quoting the uh, Majjhima Nikaya version. One knows such is material form, such its arising, such its passing away. Such is feeling, such its arising, and such its passing away. Such is perception, such its arising, and such its passing away. Such are volitions or mental formations, volition formations, such their arising, such their passing away. Such is consciousness, such its arising, such its passing away. Now, what you have with regard to every aggregate are three instructions. The first one to know, or the first one is saying, such is material form, such is feeling, etc., and that referring to the nature of fatna, the respective aggregate, and its satna formations. Now, the second and satna third instruction, such is its arising and such its passing away, well, can be grouped together and suddenly then we can say awareness of suddenly the arising and passing of suddenly the respective formations. So in total, just two major instructions. Now, We'll take things one step further, namely by looking at the definitions of each of these five aggregates. Now, 
and mostly you know, relying on uh, relying for this on uh, the um, various passages from the Suttata. Now, the Majjhima Nikaya, in its first volume, section 63, refers to materiality in the following way. The four great elements and the material form derived from the four great elements, these are called materiality. Now, a slightly different presentation can be found in the third volume of the Majjhima Nikaya, in section 16, where it says, O monastics, O lay retreatants, any kind of material form, whatever, whether past, future, or present, internal or external, gross or subtle, inferior or superior, far or near, this is the material form aggregate. So, this definition here then treats not just at the material form, but also the aggregate, the corresponding aggregate. Now, the Samyutta Nikaya in its certain volume 3, section 86, defines the aggregate of materiality as follows, namely, and I'll just give you the gist of this, namely, whatever material form that or whatever is affected by external conditions such as cold and heat, such as hunger, such as thirst, affected by mosquitoes and snakes. All of this is emphasizing the or sorry, this, all of this taken together then forms the aggregate of materiality. And the emphasis in this particular explanation is on the subjective experience of materiality. So the subjective experience of materiality in the form that materiality due to heat, then so the body due to heat may dry up, or 
due to cold, this same very body will be, so to speak, in the words of the uh, Sutta, will be deformed and certainly then um, one will be shivering uh, from cold. Or due to heat, there could also be sweating, so the body then changes and sweats. Or if one gets bitten by some let's say some bee then this certain might or this for sure will lead to a swelling of the skin. So this much in terms of three definitions of what material form is all about and what the aggregate of material form is all about. And we then apply the instructions from the Satipatthana Sutta to these material phenomena. Knowing their nature, knowing their arising and certainly passing away. Now, in terms of certainly feeling, the third volume of the Samyutta Nikaya, in its certainly section 86, defines what is meant by feeling and why all monastics and all retreatants do you call it feeling it feels oh monastics and retreatants therefore it is called feeling and what does it feel it feels pleasure it feels pain it feels neither pain nor pleasure it feels Therefore, it is called feeding. So that's uh, with regard to feeding itself. Now, when we take all forms of all instances, all occurrences of feeding, present or past, present, future, far and near, etc., gross and certainly refined or subtle, all together, then that will make up our feeling aggregate. So the Visuddhi Magga gives certainly the following definition. Whatever has the characteristic of being felt should be understood, all taken together as the feeling aggregate. And so the instructions from the Satipatthana Sutta, we want to take these and apply them to the feelings when they occur, when the 
aggregate of certain feeling is certainly the um, becomes the main focus of our attention. And so then at that point we want to observe and come to know the nature of certain feelings. We also want to come observe and come to know the very arising and passing away of certain feelings. The definition from that same Samyutanikaya passage for perception or cognition is as follows. And why, O monastics and O lay retreatants, do you call it perception? It perceives, therefore it is called perception. And what does it perceive? It perceives blue, it perceives yellow, it perceives red, it perceives white. It perceives, therefore, it is called perception. So, based on this definition, does perception then relate only or pick up only the color of objects? Would that be correct to conclude, Fred? No. And that, so what else might be involved? Mm -hmm. Such as? Uh, cold. Uh, uh -huh. uh, no, okay. And uh, uh, up down and uh, the form of uh, the respective uh, object, the form, the shape of it, yes. And cognizing what certainly the whole thing is all about. Now, in terms of the aggregate of perception, Sanya Kanda in the Bali scriptural language, again, we can refer to the Visuddhi Magga, the path of purification, and it certainly states whatever has the characteristic of perceiving should be understood, all taken together as the perception aggregate. And so when perceptions come to the foreground of our attention, then we want to pay close attention. And then we want to observe and come to know the nature of those perceptions. And we also want to observe and know the arising and the passing of passing away of those perceptions. Now, depending on what kind of consciousness 
these perceptions are associated with, will perceptions be either profitable, skillful, or unskillful, unwholesome, or uh, indeterminate. Now, maybe to help you detect perceptions, the classical definition of the mental factor of perception, Nisanya, is as follows. Namely, its characteristic is that of perceiving the qualities of an object, its function is to make a sign, or its function is recognizing what has been uh, perceived earlier uh, on. And it is, it becomes manifest as the interpreting of an object by way of its certain features that had been apprehended. And the object as it the object itself as it appears is said to be the proximate certain cause. Now its function is to make a sign as a condition for perceiving again that this is such and such an object that is being compared to a carpenter whose who intends to build a table or any other type of uh, any other piece of furniture that consists of different parts and who will then proceed to make one part after another and once he or she has completed one item, then the carpenter will mark it with uh, with a pencil or with chalk, and uh, as number one, number two, number three, and uh, then later on when the individual pieces have all been made, then uh, the carpenter picks up uh, all the things that have been. Uh, uh, made and then puts them together in a proper uh, order and eventually what results is a table. So just like with uh, material formations, just like with uh, feelings, in the case of perceptions, we are encouraged by the Satipatthana Sutta to know, to observe and know the nature of certain perceptions, to observe and know the very arising, the very passing away of those certain same perceptions. Now, 
the Samyutta Nikaya definition of volitional formations is as follows. So taken from the same uh, discourse referred to already earlier on, so vol uh, volume 3, section 87. And why, O oh, monastics and lay retreatants, do you call them volitional formations? They construct the conditioned. Therefore, they are called volitional formations. And what is the conditioned that they construct? They construct conditioned form as form. They construct conditioned feeling as feeling. They construct conditioned perception as perception. They construct conditioned volitional formations as volitional formations. And they construct conditioned consciousness as consciousness. And in terms of Vatna the aggregate, the Majimanikaya states any kind of formations, whatever, past, present, or future, internal or external, gross or subtle, inferior or superior, far or near, this is the formation's aggregate. Now, It's not quite certainly easy to understand what is meant by volitional formations, and certainly the Visuddhi Magga might certainly help to help for better understanding. So it states whatever has the characteristic of forming should be understood all taken together as the formation's aggregate. And here, too, what is said to have the characteristic of forming is that which has the characteristic of agglomerating. And the formations themselves are said. They form the formed, that is why they are called formations. Now, when a particular situation arises, or we see a particular visible object, or a particular, we hear a particular sound, then the mind with consciousness together with various mental factors will uh, process you know, the respective event. And various mental factors will be involved. Some, you know, definitely, the seven universals will be there. Some of the occasionals will be there. And some others 
it may also be there. And so this then will have an impact on the experience and will form the experience. So if we perceive an object due to a lack of mindfulness in a certain negative way, then that will have an impact on how the mind, perception, that particular perception, will then have an impact on how the mind is going to process the respective event. Now, if we keep thinking angry thoughts, and these angry thoughts arise out of the mental factor of anger, dosa, then this satna will shape or form or condition the mind in a certain way. And it will lead to a further strengthening of this unwholesome mental factor of anger. If we allow the mind to be restless, not just once, but for years on end, then obviously the result will be a pretty strong restlessness. The mind certainly being in a state of almost continuous agitation. And that being or that happens due to the fact that over years the mind one tolerated restlessness and that then conditioned the mind in a certain way. If we come on a meditation retreat and um, we follow instructions and suddenly we come to understand and cherish the purity of the mind and we continuously work towards certain purity of mind so in other words we work towards exerting ardor in abandoning unwholesome states and we exert ardor in order to bring about unarisen wholesome mental states well this will shape, this will form, this will condition the mind in certain ways. And the mind certainly will necessary, will uh, increasingly become uh, pure. Now, very much uh, 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 yeah, highly influential 
in this certain regard is the mental factor of Chetana, of volition or intention. And it is the mental factor that is concerned with the actualization of a goal. So in other words, the cognitive or volitional aspect of cognition. Thus it is certainly rendered as certain cognition. And the commentaries explain that Chetana organizes its associated mental factors in acting upon uh, the respective object. Its characteristic is the state of willing. Its function is to accumulate, namely Kamma, and its manifestation is as coordination, and its proximate cause is certainly the associated states. Just, and the illustration given for this particular mental factor is, just as a chief student or pupil recites his or her own lesson and also makes certain sure that the other students also recite their own lessons, so too when volition starts to work on its object, it also sets the associated states of mind to do their own task as well. So in knowing that each mental factor performs a different function and they all work together in processing whatever material comes up. And so volition is said to be the most significant mental factor in generating kamma since it is volition that determines the ethical quality of the action. Now, volition being such an important state and having such an important influence or impact on near the other uh, mental factors to that arise suddenly together with uh, volition, well, we surely want to uh, pay attention to it. We surely want to know its nature. We surely want to observe and know its arising and suddenly passing away. Now, maybe to, for better understanding, to give two examples for volition. The first one is certainly taken from the text, 
Anemia from uh, the Udana, section 57. And this is an example for you know, the usage of the term Sankara in the sense of volitional activity. Now, at the time of the Buddha, there was a lay follower by the name of Sona. And this Sona had the volition to go forth. So, to leave behind the household life and to become a monastic. On being told by the elder Mahakachana of the difficulties of the monastic life, the force of this Sankara diminished in the lay follower sooner and he decided to remain a lay person. On a subsequent occasion, the volitional force of his Sankaras became powerful enough to overcome all obstacles, so that finally Sona did go forth and suddenly become a monk. The Nikaya contains a similar case in the case of, or with regard to the general Siha. Now, not mentioning this, in your own meditation practice, have you come across volition? Volition or intention? Yes? Very much. Could you give an example? The end of the walking path, mm -hmm. the volition to stop. Ah, there you go. The volition to uh, note standing, mm -hmm. noting standing, the volition to turn. Mm -hmm. All these are volitions, and every action. Okay, and has it ever happened that, uh, let's say, you walk uh, mm, uh, towards your room? with the volition or the intention to enter your room and yet when you, you know, reach the door and you're so mindful of the volition has it happened that the volition disappeared and you couldn't act? Has this happened Jerry? Yeah, there you go, that's it. And so, yeah, so the volition ending, because of one's mindfulness, the volition you know, then fading away, the volition not being strong enough to lead to an actual action, to the action of opening, you know, gra uh, uh, reaching for the door handle and then uh, opening the door and entering into you know, the room. So volitions by all means can be uh, observed and their nature known and their arising passing also uh, known by uh, retreatants. Now, of course, more could be said on these uh, volitions, but uh, mm, there's some technicalities 
but we, we will be running out of time. Now, the fifth aggregate uh, is the aggregate of consciousness, Vinyana Khanda, in uh, the Pali uh, scriptural language. And it is basically that which is conscious of something. Sometimes in English the translation um, the bare cognition of an object. But cognition and perception are pretty much the same thing. And uh, hence uh, to use uh, the term cognition in this context would be misleading. Venerable Saido Ujjanaka Bhivamsan the uh, founder of Mahagandayan uh, Monastery in uh, Burma, and studied a huge and such a well-known, well-respected uh, study monastery, as uh, explains that um, consciousness is in the end just the taking, the bare taking in of an object, just that much and uh, not more than that. Now, in terms of the scope of Vinyanakanda, the Samyutta Nikaya states, and this is certainly taken or as given in the third volume in section 47, what Every kind of consciousness there is, whether past, future, or present, internal or external, gross or subtle, inferior or superior, far or near, this is called the consciousness aggregate. And so far as Satna to then uh, know its nature, to know the very arising of consciousness and the very passing of consciousness. Now, what would you say? Is consciousness something permanent? No? Are you sure? Yes. Yeah, the answer is right. So, consciousness may appear to an absent-minded person as being uh, permanent, there being just one single consciousness that uh, has an eternal lifespan, but mm, experience, experience and in particular mindful investigation does not uh, verify this uh, idea. And the text also, the Buddhist Abhidhamma is very clear that consciousness is 
of a very short period of time, one moment, um, we speak of one moment of consciousness, it arises, it passes. And another consciousness, different consciousness, arises and passes, and so on and so forth. So what we do have is a series of one moment of consciousness after another, arising, passing, arising, and passing in um, or at uh, ex uh, an extremely high speed. Now, a difference in, or an interesting, interesting point in terms of what is the cause and condition for the respective uh, aggregates. A section from the third volume of the Majjhima Nikaya section, uh, 17, uh, expresses certain, uh, this as follows. The four great elements, O monastics and low O lay retreatants, are the cause and condition for the manifestation of the material form aggregate. Would you agree with this? Makes sense. Contact is the cause and condition for the manifestation of the feeling aggregate. And then, in this regard, allow me to add, by contact here is meant eye contact in the case of uh, visible objects, or ear contact in the case of uh, the hearing process, and certainly the nose contact, etc. So contact is said to be the cause and condition for the manifestation of the feeling aggregate. And so based on such a contact, then a feeling arises. Contact is the cause and condition for the manifestation of the perception aggregate, and contact is the cause and condition for the manifestation of the formations aggregate. Now, in terms of these last two, contact here does not refer to the respective door, sense door, namely the eye door, the uh, ear door, the nose door, the tongue door, the body door, <coughs> the mind door, but rather contact in, uh, in connection with the perception aggregate and with the aggregate of volitional formations refers you know, to the object itself. So the visible object, the you know, sound, you know, the smell, the 
uh, taste, the tactile uh, formation, and the mental object. Mentality materiality is the cause and condition for the manifestation of the consciousness aggregate. Now, I just mentioned this um, to possibly um, encourage you or uh, inspire you, you know, to um, mind carefully and mindfully investigate what is truly happening in regard to the five aggregates. What is their respective cause and condition? Now, when we engage in a mindful observation of um, the you know, five aggregates, and we keep doing this over and over and over again, this, uh, what you think, will bring about changes or not? Yes? Now, human beings tend to be extremely infatuated with their own being, with their own five aggregates, right? <laughs> Have you ever spent uh, long periods in front of a mirror, putting makeup on your face, being highly concerned about its certain uh, beauty, appearance? Has this ever happened? No? You never spend time in front of a mirror? Well, human beings, we could say, for the most part, at least as long as they are young and healthy and strong, um, are quite fall or are, are quite infatuated with their own um, being, mm, their own body, mm, you know, their range of feelings, perceptions, volitional formations, and uh, consciousness. And the same thing can also be said of other, uh, the, the aggregates of other you know, beings. Now, that infatuation is what? When it comes to striving towards liberation, is useful or not? It's not useful, not at all. And the more we engage in a mindful contemplation of the five aggregates, the more we recognize whatever we might be so terribly infatuated with is just another formation. It's just either a material phenomenon and thus falls under the aggregate of materiality is just another feeling. With that, it falls under the aggregate of feeling. And then same thing for perceptions, volitional formations, and for consciousness. So, a mindful contemplation of the five aggregates 
will help to reduce our desire and attachment to these aggregates. Now, a mindful contemplation of the aggregates will also help us to um, rectify yet another major um, misunderstanding. Namely, what's that? Self. Self, yes. Namely, mistakenly taking the five aggregates, either individually or as a whole, to be mine, to be I am and myself. And a mindful contemplation of the five aggregates will help us to see reality or receive things according to reality and eventually we realize that there is no need to identify with any of these five aggregates and there's no need to assume a self and uh, to assume that we are in control of these five aggregates. Now, a mindful contemplation of the five aggregates will further help us to rectify yet another three wrongful perceptions, namely that the five aggregates are what? Permanent or impermanent? impermanent, including consciousness. And even your most, your greatest feeling, pleasant feeling, is that going to last until the end of the retreat? There's a high chance that this will not pass, not happen. And so we will further recognize uh, with a careful, diligent, mindful observation that these aggregates are not conducive to happiness, but rather conducive to suffering. And certainly the anatta aspect has been highlighted already. And so, gaining in a very direct manner an understanding that even the five aggregates are um, is subject to impermanence, to suffering, and to non-self. And this thing helps to rectify the wrongful perception, the perverted perception, that these aggregates are, uh, con are permanent, conducive to happiness, and uh, can be identified with. Now, these are some of the benefits to be benefits results to be expected from a mindful contemplation of the five aggregates. Beyond this, and of an equal, if not even further importance or greater importance, is that gradually 
and this happens over time, it doesn't happen right away, that certain retreatants increasingly become disenchanted with you know, these uh, formations of the five aggregates. And revulsion develops towards them, disgust you know, develops towards certain you know, them in a literal you know, sense even. And that very disenchantment with the five aggregates quite naturally will lead on to becoming dispassionate about certain of the five aggregates and this ultimately leads us where? Liberation. There you go. And it leads us to that very liberation that certain of the Papadita Sutta is also speaking of as mentioned in the preceding two discourses. Now, let's end with this. Allow me to conclude today's certain discourse by uh, wishing may you on occasion whenever this or that aggregate comes to the foreground in your own meditation practice, may you take this as a good opportunity to be mindful of, to, uh, or with diligent mindfulness, observe and diligent mindfulness, concentrated mind, to observe and in this process to come to know the true nature of all of each and every of these five aggregates and may this investigation gradually then contribute to the gaining of liberation. Minimum here is the realization of the noble path of stream entry. Hopefully we're doing this very retreat here at Satna Tauski Valley. And this is it for the talk. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.